You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. We praise God for each and every one of those testimonies, just powerful stories of God's miraculous power. And we praise God for many of the testimonies that each one of you carry, as I've heard so many of your stories and the ways in which God has moved in your life you know, a couple thoughts that come to my mind in regards to testimonies are, you know, I really believe that we have a responsibility to steward testimonies. You know, the things that God has done in our past, they're not just supposed to stay there, but they're, they're supposed to inform our future and, and allow us to be an encouragement to others, to build other people's faith in, which, uh, in, the, in the ways that God has moved in our lives. And also, you know, one word of encouragement in regards to testimonies is that testimonies do not have an expiration date. And you see that, especially in the Old Testament. I mean, the testimonies of the ways in which God has moved in the past, it's like they didn't grow stale and stagnant, but they, they continued to be, you know, this life-giving well uh, for the people of God. And so testimonies don't have an expiration date. Allow them to continue to inform you of the ways in which God has personally moved in your life. Um, so thankful each and every one of you are with us this morning on Resurrection Sunday uh, it's truly an honor to have you with us, friends, family of LifePoint, or if LifePoint Church is your home. Thank you so much for being with us. You know, it's been so interesting in the days in which we've lived to watch the, the mounting uncertainty. Uh, it's just, it's been unparalleled. And it's, it's like the longer we've been in the midst of this pandemic, it's like the, the more the uncertainties have grown and they've mounted. I mean, in regards to the, the transmissibility of the virus, it's still probably more uncertain now than ever in terms of the origins of the virus. So much uncertainty. And in regards to how long this is going to go on, it's like none of those, those big questions have gone away. Like the uncertainty has only grown. I can really see it taking a toll on hearts and lives and families in our own city. And I want to speak into that this morning. I want to speak into the uncertainty in which we find ourselves this morning. And the picture that I just have not been able to get out of my mind is the picture in John chapter 20 of the disciples gathering in the upper room post the crucifixion. And it's there that, that they, had, they had just seen their Messiah, the one that they assumed would overthrow the Roman government. They, they watched him publicly ridiculed and mocked and, and crucified before their very eyes. And so just imagine being one of those disciples, one of those followers of Christ, and gathered in the upper room, and it's like all your hopes have been dashed, like so much doubt in your heart of what just took place and what the future holds, and then in walks the, the resurrected Christ, the, the very one you saw crucified earlier. Now he walks into the room in John chapter 20, and he speaks a word upon them. He says, peace be to you. And, and all week long in preparation for Resurrection Sunday, I've just been praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us as a church, that we would have an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And whether you call yourself a follower of Jesus right now or, or not, I, I, I'm been, I have been praying that you would have an encounter with the resurrected Christ this morning. It changes everything. There, there's one truth that I, I really want to bring us to this morning, and it's that uncertainty is incompatible with a living hope. And so I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to downplay uncertainty or downplay or belittle the realities of the doubts that we carry. But the longer we dwell on, on the realities of the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ as a real living Savior, as a living Messiah that's still on the throne today, it's uncertainty cannot coexist in that same space. 
And so I want us to go after that truth this morning. I pray it brings an encouragement to your heart. And I pray that God makes it a reality in your life and not just a theory. And that's what I'm gonna pray over you right now before we dive into 1 Peter chapter one. So let's pray. Lord, right now, I pray over every heart, over every individual, every family that's joined with us this morning on Resurrection Sunday, that the story of you rising from the dead Lord, it wouldn't just be a historical story, but it'd be a living reality today in the hearts and the minds and the lives of every individual. And I've been praying for an encounter. So that's what I pray for this morning, is that, Lord, that you'd pierce through the doubt, you'd pierce through the unbelief, the lies of the enemy, the uncertainty of our age. And Lord, you would be the, the preeminent certainty, the preeminent reality of our lives. Resurrected Christ, speak it upon our lives. Peace be to you. I pray that in your mighty name. Amen. So this morning, I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 1. It's a powerful passage where Peter, the apostle Peter, you know, uh, one of the closest followers of Jesus, writes a letter to believers who have been scattered across the Mediterranean as a result of persecution from the Roman government. And so he's talking to believers who are in the midst of suffering and trial and tribulation. And, he's, and he points them towards their living hope in the resurrected Christ. And that's, why I want us, that's where I want us to look this morning. So starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what Peter says to, to essentially refugees, ones who have been scattered across the Mediterranean you know, as a result of a looming persecution from the Roman government. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That God is still worthy of our praise. He's still worthy of our worship. Even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trial, tribulation, uncertainty, persecution, he is still worthy to be blessed. We can always worship God. We can always worship the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship isn't a duty. Worship is a response. And to the degree that we look upon our lives and we see that worship is not the overflow of our lives, is, I believe, an invitation for us to stop and consider the mercy of God. And that's what Peter points them to here in this verse. He says, according to his great mercy, the greatest story ever told uh, in humanity is the story of God's mercy. And Andrew Murray said, the greatest wonder of all is the mercy of God. The fact that God would have mercy upon us, ones who wanted nothing to do with him, you know, the created ones completely turning our backs on our creator, us rebelling against him, wanting to do things on our own, us in our stubbornness, us in our selfishness, us living for ourselves, thinking we can figure it out on our own, like us turning our backs on his wisdom and his love. And yet God has mercy on us. And it, it, it takes these moments where I believe where we're squeezed, where maybe the pressure is on and the the uh, trial and persecution is, is upon us where we, we stop and we consider the mercy of God. God has been so merciful to us. He's so gracious. His, his mercy is, is new every morning. And that is still true today. Even April 12, 2020, 2020, in the midst of a pandemic, God is always worthy of our worship. And he says, we're born again into a living hope. 
You know, when you surrender your life to Christ, when he becomes the solution for your sin issue, he becomes savior of your life, you're born again. That's how Jesus described it. It's like being born again. You're being born of the spirit and you're born again into a living hope. That's because we don't follow a dead Christ. We, we follow a living Christ. He's a living Messiah. Today, in 2020, he is living and he is alive. He's not dead. The story of the good news of Jesus Christ isn't just him dying on a cross. And oftentimes we, we end the story there. Like it's kind of this romantic picture of the, the radical sacrificial love of God, which that's a huge piece of it. But him rising from the dead is the demonstration of his authority to be able to actually bring the sacrifice needed before the mercy seat of God. So Jesus isn't dead. The story didn't end at the cross, but we serve and we follow a living Messiah today. And that means Christianity isn't a, just a purely historical religion. It's not the pr preservation of you know, dead traditions. And if that's your understanding of Christianity, you've got it all wrong. Christianity is historical and there are traditions that can help remind us of the things of God. But mo most centrally, Christianity is following a living Savior today. Holy Spirit coming, you know, the resurrected Christ coming and taking up residence in us and us following this living Christ today. And that's why uncertainty is incompatible with the living hope. He says we've been born again into this living hope. And he's speaking that to persecuted, suffering ones. The longer we sit in that place and realize what we've been given through the resurrected Christ, that we are born again into a living hope, uncertainty cannot dwell, cannot coexist in that same place. Uncertainty is incompatible with a living hope. Let's continue because I could stay there all morning, but... Let's look at verse four. It says, we've been born again into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So he says we're born again into an inheritance that's un imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Is that not good news? In this age when everything is changing, I mean, I think back over the last month and, and everything has been changing at such a rapid pace. It's been hard to keep up with. Isn't it good news that you've been born again, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've been born again into an inheritance that's imperishable, unfading and undefiled. It's unchanging. It can't be, it can't be affected by a pandemic. You know, everything's been changing so fast in terms of the, the number of cases of infections and the closures have been just seemingly, you know, every day it seems like there's something, some new announcement about things in our life that are being closed down as a result of this pandemic. And obviously the, the economy has been changing so rapidly you can't keep up with it. In the midst of that, on this Resurrection Sunday, I give you hope in something that is imperishable, unfading, and, and undefiled. It's a living hope in this resurrected Christ that we have an inheritance in him. We have promises of a future with him. It's unchanging. Now, I just took note of some of the, the massive changes in our economy over the last month. There was a date, March 16th, where the, the, the stock market, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, dropped by nearly 3,000 points, and it was the biggest uh, market drop in nearly 30 years, or over 30 years, of 3,000 points. I mean, and, and it 
kind of set this reverberation of shock waves throughout the world as, we, as they, people watch the market crash. Well, just one week later, March 24th, the market increased, brought back, or gained 2,000 points, and it was one of, also one of the biggest gains in American history. And so just before our eyes, in, in a period of one week, we saw a massive tank in the economy, and then we saw a, a, a massive burst. And obviously, in an economic sense, that shows the volatility of the market. But the point I'm trying to make is that we cannot put our stock, we cannot put our hope in any sort of economic certainties because they're just not there. Instead, we, we place our hope in this living hope that's alive and well right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he promises us this inheritance that's imperishable, unfading, and undefiled. And that's what we have as the children of God, is a certain, confident inheritance in Jesus Christ. There's nothing certain in this world. You know, in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, Paul says this, he says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I feel like in, in, this, in this moment in human history, when everything seems to be grappling for our, um, our heart's desire and our, our heart's hopes, the, the hopes of our heart, that's good news. None of that stuff that's right now reaching for the hope of your heart can separate you from the love of God. We, we, uh, we allow ourselves to be grafted into that living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's continue reading in verse 6. He says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So he's talking to ones who have left house and home and extended family and their livelihoods. They've been scattered across the Mediterranean. And he's talking about the inexpressible joy they can have in Jesus. They're talking about the rejoicing they can live within every single day. That's a challenge for us. You know, when our Western comforts are beginning to be infringed upon, when um, some of the things we used to find joys in are being stripped from us, things we thought were just normal American life are now gone. This is really assuring news. This is good news from Jesus Christ that you can have an inexpressible joy, that you can choose to rejoice in the midst of seeming uncertainty. And it's in that place where uncertainty is incompatible with our living hope, when we rest in this assurance, in this resurrected Christ who appears to us and speaks peace to you. We have reason to rejoice. We do not rejoice in what we see with our eyes. You know, it was the, the great English preacher Charles Spurgeon, who said, faith untested is like an uncut diamond. It's like the beauty of that faith hasn't been revealed yet. And so it's in these moments of testing, in these moments of trials and tribulations, when the beauty of our faith begins to be actually be realized. The substance of our faith begins to actually be shown to the world around us, to our families, in our homes. 
So let's allow, and I, I want to challenge you this morning, let's allow the, this resolve to rise up in our hearts, to have this just unflinching faith in the midst of testing. And so in that light, I want to give you an explicit challenge this morning. Would you open up your phones right now and would you set a reminder on your calendar the same time every single day this week for the next seven days, would you put a reminder on your phone at a time that you know you'll be available and put, put this reminder on your phone, take time to give thanks or take time to rejoice. And I want us as a, as a church family, anybody that's joined in, in with us this morning to just have an increase of rejoicing of that inexpressible joy that comes through faith in Jesus Christ and our living hope. And I want to do it in a practical way. I want you this week to take a moment every single day throughout the next seven days and just purely give thanks. And you stop whatever you're doing and you say, Jesus, I give you thanks that I have an inheritance in you, that I've been purchased with a high price, that Lord, you're still on the throne, that you're not caught off guard by, by what's going on, that you're not surprised by what we're walking through. But I thank you for the joy that I can experience that this world can never steal away from me. And you just begin to do that. You just begin to give thanks to Jesus. You just begin to rejoice in all that he has done for you. And uh, you'll, you'll realize a shift. Now, faith began to arise to, to see, see our lives differently, see the world around you differently. That's my challenge to you, church. E.W. Tozer said this about this very passage. He said, Peter states it as a paradox. The obedient Christian greatly rejoices even in the midst of great heaviness, trials, and suffering. God's people know that things here are not all they ought to be, but they are not spending any time worrying about it. They're too busy rejoicing in the gracious prospect of all that will take place when God fulfills all of his promises to his redeemed children. Think of living that way as a redeemed child of God, that you're so enamored or infatuated with the, 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 the looming realities of the inheritance and the promises that we have in God, that you're not distracted by the worries of this world. It's like everything can be crumbling around you and you're just assured and you're rejoicing in what is to come in Jesus Christ. I pray that upon my life. I pray that upon your life, church family. You cannot stay worried and uncertain and worship and rejoice at the same time. It's just impossible. You stay there in that place of worship for just a little while and you realize the, those, those worries, those doubts, those uncertainties, they just kind of fade away because uncertainty is incompatible with our living hope. You may feel uncertain. You may feel worried. So I don't downplay that. I'm not you know, unsympathetic to that reality. But when we choose to rejoice, we choose to dwell on his mercy and his grace and the certainty of our living hope and we can't stay in uncertainty. Let's read these last few verses. It says in verse 10, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that, they have not, things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. I hope you realize in, that, in those few verses the privilege that it is to live in this moment in human history. It is a great privilege. This is a moment that the prophets prophesied about. 
when the Messiah would be revealed, the Son of God would be revealed to humanity. This is the moment on which angels, they long to look. And you and I, we get to live in this moment in human history. I want that to hit you this morning, the significance of being alive at this moment. It's a great privilege. The gospel revealed, Jesus revealed. The Holy Spirit is at work across the earth. Think of the the access that exists right now across our globe. It's unprecedented. The access to the gospel, to the Bible, and the proliferation of the gospel across the globe, it is unprecedented times that we live in. And it's such, a, it's such a significant privilege for us to be alive in this moment. So I want to tell you, I've, I've really been encouraged in this, this season that we didn't necessarily see coming. I've been so encouraged by so many of the conversations that I've had with different individuals within our church. People that are recognizing the opportunities that have come in the midst of testing, that have come in the midst of trials and uncertainty. So many of you that I've talked to have talked about the incredible moments of intimacy with Jesus that you've had in your home, times of worship. It's not that you were uh, unaware of his presence in your home before this, but it's like this has just heightened your awareness of the reality that you can seek God in your own homes and you can lead your kids and your family uh, in, in relationship with Jesus and in worship. That's so encouraging to me. Others have talked about the opportunities they've had with their neighbors, to, to talk about Jesus, to pray with them, opportunities they've had to invite family and friends to church. I believe more people have been exposed to church, although it's, it's different online, and I would say it's not the same as gathering in person. So many of people have been uh, open and exposed to a, a church that's alive and well, and that actually has a message of relevant hope to our lives and a message of power that's dem- being demonstrated today. And so I've been so encouraged by so many of you that have been recognizing the opportunities of this significant moment in which we live in human history. It's a privilege for us to be alive right now. And I believe it's his resurrection, it's our living hope that compels us to live for his glory, to live for things that matter in light of eternity, to not live for things that are fading, that are perishable, things that that really don't matter in the light of eternity, but live for the glory of God. Now, I think that's something that's been revealed in this season. It's the, the things that value most are coming to the surface. The gold is being refined in the fire. So I'll close, I want to close with this single illustration, the illustration of Peter, because this is where we started. You know, Peter was in that upper room in John chapter 20, when the, when the uncertainty of what they were experiencing was, was mounting and growing for the disciples, um, Peter was there. And Peter had walked with Jesus for, for three and a half years, and he had his hopes and um, all of his faith in this Messiah, and then he was crucified before his eyes. You know, what it took for Peter was an encounter with the resurrected Christ. You know, prior to Jesus' crucifixion, what did Peter do? He, de- he denied Christ three different times, even to, you know, a young little girl. Here in the upper room, you know, Peter is right along with everyone else, fearful of the, the Jews that had, Jewish leaders that had killed, killed the Messiah, killed Jesus. And Peter's response to Jesus being crucified is that he, he goes back to what he used to do. He goes back to fishing. You know, John 21, he he goes back to his old way of life and, you know, he probably had 
bills that had been stacking up and I'm sure they didn't have a stockpile of cash for when the Messiah uh, would be crucified. So he went back to what he knew. He went back to fishing and he had a miserable time at it. But what happened on that day in John 21? Jesus shows up on the shore of Peter's life and he calls out to him and he leads him to the catch of a lifetime. And Peter jumps out of the boat, he swims to shore, and that morning he has breakfast with Jesus. Not just any man, but the resurrected Christ, the man who had conquered death and the grave. And that morning, Peter, the one who had denied him just days earlier, had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. That's because uncertainty is incompatible with our living hope. And you realize that Jesus really is alive today that the Messiah you said yes to maybe years ago, maybe decades ago, he's alive today. He's really alive. And he still is our living hope, even in the midst of uncertainty, and even in the midst of everything that's going on in our world. And that's the, the encounter that I'm praying for each and every one of you, that just like Peter, and for Peter, you know, It kind of required him to have several encounters. He saw the resurrected Christ several times. Um, And and yet there still needed to be uh, this convincing in his heart that the living hope was real and it was something to trust in and that he could could, um, throw his life into that living hope. And you see the story unfold then in the New Testament church. I mean, there's a transformation that takes place in Peter's life. You know, the very ones that, Peter was fearful of weeks prior, you know, on the day of Pentecost, he, he stands up and he proclaims the resurrected Christ before them all, before thousands, fearless, fearlessly. And that's the result of that encounter with the resurrected Christ. It brings a transformation upon our hearts. It causes us to live differently. And that's what I'm praying for us in the days to come. So I want to, I want to give an opportunity for each and every one of you to respond to truth this morning. And I want to give an opportunity for two different responses. One is if you've joined with us this morning and you want to follow Christ, this this living, resurrected Christ, you want to finally trust him with your life. You want to surrender your all to him and put your faith in him as Lord, as Savior for your soul. I want to give you an opportunity to follow him this morning. And, And secondly, if if there's people that are, individuals that are with us this morning that want to submit certain areas of their life to the resurrected Christ, maybe you kind of can um, associate with Peter. You can, you're kind of familiar with the, the uncertainties and the doubt and the unbelief, the fear that, that Peter carried in those scenarios post the crucifixion. You can, you can kind of, you're familiar with those. You can empathize with Peter in those. And this morning, you want to submit those things to the resurrected Christ and allow him just to speak peace upon those areas. I want to give you an opportunity to respond as well. So for those in that first group that you want to, you want to follow Christ, you want to surrender your life to Jesus this morning, would you bow your heads, close your eyes right now, pray a prayer in your own heart. What matters most is that in your own heart, you're confessing him as Lord, as Savior, is the, the only solution for your, your sin issue. So Lord, right now we come to an end of ourself. We've realized that there is nothing certain in this world. And we come to you, the only thing that is certain, our living hope. And right now I choose to surrender my life fully to you. I choose to 
confess that I am in need of you, desperately in need of you, and that you are the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So I pray that you'd forgive me of my sins, redeem me, Holy Spirit, come and live inside of me. I want to live for you from this day forward, King Jesus. You become King and Lord of my life. In your mighty name, amen. If you're part of that second group and there's an area of your life that you want to submit to uh, the resurrected Christ, you want to submit this to your living hope. Maybe it's fear, disappointment, worry, uncertainty. I want to give you an opportunity to respond right now. So right now, let's pray. God, I pray over every individual who is really in the trenches, dealing with worry and fear, panic, uncertainty. I pray resurrected Christ, that you'd speak peace upon them. At the very uh, the realities that we just talked about, the inexpressible joy that comes uh, through a follower of Jesus choosing to rejoice in the midst of trial and tribulation, I, I pray that, that would be, uh, there'd be a new level of understanding upon every individual this week as we walk with you. I pray it in your mighty name, Jesus. We just pray that as people meditate and dwell on their living hope, their imperishable, unfading, undefiled inheritance that they have as children of God in you, that, Lord, they would not be able to stay in that place of uncertainty. They wouldn't be able to stay in that place of fear or worry, but it could not coexist in that space. Instead, they'd just be overwhelmed by the realities and the truth of the resurrected Christ in their life. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Amazing stuff. Thank you so much, each and every one of you, for joining us this morning. Uh, if you are new with us, please reach out to us and let us know how we can connect with you. Let us know how we can help you grow in your faith, grow, grow in your walk with Jesus. I do believe this pandemic is going to be uh, over sooner rather than later. And, and I'm just believing for just an, an uh, ingathering of people into the family of God. And we want you to be a part of that. So if we can help you grow in your faith, reach out to us. Let us help you grow as a follower of Jesus. Otherwise, we will, we'll see you next week. Continue to spread the word in this season that the church is, is not holding back. We're continuing to move forward, pursuing uh, transformation of our city, revival in our region. So thanks so much for joining us this morning. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.